Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Badlands Podcast, the only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Radio Network. I am Mags, and with me today, my long-suffering podcast wife, Mr. Paul Tully. Paul, how are you? I'm all right. I'm, I'm in my happy place for the next hour, hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> grim over here at the moment, isn't it? But um, that's this is, grim. This is if I'm your if I'm your happy place, then you are you are doing life wrong. <laughs> you know you're my happy place even when COVID isn't here. That's very Always. very true. How very, are you, man? Very true. Yeah, not too bad. These days are just melted into one another with with the lockdown and COVID and not being able to see friends and family. Yeah, it's it's getting annoying. But if I don't do podcasts like this, I'd end up probably going on a mass murder and. Uh, and just killing everybody, so <laughs> <laughs> so swings and roundabouts, I suppose. I got so dark. Not too yeah, that got really dark. <laughs> um, and how to brighten it up, though, uh, Paul, one of the one of the most brightest people on wrestling Twitter, uh, someone who, when you one of his tweets comes over the the timeline or he puts some content out, he just you can't help but have a bit massive smile on your face because. We know wrestling Twitter can be incredibly toxic, uh, and there's a there's a handful of people who who just really brand your day, and uh, we've we've managed to bag an amazing guest in the one and only Spencer Love. Spencer, how are you, sir? Hey, friends, I'm good. I'm a little uh, I'm a little nervous after that whole mass murder confession there, Mag. But other than that. <laughs> 
Just for the record, it was not a confession. Okay, not a confession. Like a warning. <laughs> Using yeah, my air quotes across the video Skype here. I'm doing great though, guys, and thanks so much for having me. I told you guys before we started recording. I told you guys before too. I love seeing you guys on Twitter. I love listening to the Badlands podcast. I love checking out everything you guys have going on here on Chair Shot. So it's cool to be a part of it in my own small way for my own small little episode. Absolutely, our pleasure. We've uh, we love having guests who, who bring positivity to to the show, and yeah, we we can't wait to to see if our picks are, are, are comparable to yours, and 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 really find out who's on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling. But before we get there, you've uh, you took a little bit of a break from uh, creating content, but now you're back with a vengeance and then some um, with with your network of. Uh, of love wrestling, where you brought in uh, some some really amazing content creators, and you you're putting out just quality banger after banger of content. Uh, yeah, t- tell us a little bit about it and and the idea behind it, and and uh, what what brought you back to creating. Man, that means a lot, and thank you. I'm I'm very very lucky to get to work with the people I do, and and whether it's Josh, whether it's Zach, like literally anybody. So I'm not going to start naming them all off because I'd name them all off. Um, I'm incredibly lucky to get to work with the people I do. I think that um, they're all very like-minded, as you guys are on the show here, too, that um, professional wrestling doesn't have enough positivity in it. And I know that that's a phrase that um, gets thrown around and has sort of been misused by even, I think, a couple of sites or a couple of people out there sometimes. Um, But there just really isn't enough of that you know, to, to make a pun of it. Why not? Uh, there's not enough love in professional wrestling. You know, I think for me, uh, my theory in professional wrestling is that, uh, I choose to focus on what I love about it, what I see as positives in it, what I, what I love about it, you know, whether it's a match, whether it's a professional wrestler, whether it's a personality, a pay-per-view, whatever it may be. Um, that's not to say there isn't negativity in professional wrestling. That's not to say there isn't stuff that uh, shouldn't be commented upon or or stuff that shouldn't be looked at and rightfully criticized. But um, for me, when I'm looking, for example, at, say, a Monday Night Raw or a Dynamite or whatever it may be, and uh, that show ain't to my liking for whatever reason, there's no need for me to sit there and hate watch the thing and send my negative opinion out there into the ether like so many people do. I prefer to focus on what I love. I liked Monday Night Raw's main event last night with Alexa Bliss and Asuka. I thought it was neat. I love that supernatural stuff in professional wrestling. So I'm happy to talk about that, you know? Um, my previous venture with the WCSN, I I really did love professional wrestling, but I... I just to take all the brass tacks I can on it, it really was a first venture, you know, and there were a lot of things that I found uh, limiting about it. There were a lot of things that I found I did start to focus a little bit too much on the negative or things I didn't like in some aspects. Um, And it became a drain. And I found that once something becomes a drain in your life, whether it's pro wrestling, another sport, another hobby, potentially a job i know that's got a little bit more uh fluctuation in it in a lot of senses but if something that something's that much of a drag in your life especially when you're doing it for free um there's no sense in putting your mental health or anything like that through it so like you said i i took a few months off um but pretty well as soon as i made the decision to uh back down from the wcsn it was well how do i get back into this eventually and that was love wrestling. So, um, yeah, I do interviews. I put out 
the nice thing with sort of running the network and running a site is, is you can do really whatever you want, whatever your heart desires with it. So uh, if I want to write an article on Chelsea Green, like I've got coming out this week, I'm going to do it. If I want to write an article on Drew McIntyre, I'm going to do it. If I want to do a podcast about the five reasons why Bret Hart's got the coolest sunglasses in pro wrestling, then damn it, I'm going to do it. But everything that we've got going on there is literally just what it's named, a celebration of our love of professional wrestling. Yeah, and and it works so well. I uh, I really enjoyed the the Sunday brunch. Uh, for me, there's nothing better in wrestling than than chatting with uh with your friends about it, and that's exactly what it is. It's just literally chatting with two or three, four guests at a time, and spending an hour just shooting the shit about wrestling. It's a, a really really simple but cool idea. I, I really love that. And, our boy Joshy on the network as well, so you can't really go wrong there. Um, That's exactly yeah. it. My bias is always going to shine through when it comes to those guys. But like, man, <laughs> again, just such a great-hearted person. That's that's all you can really say when whenever I talk about professional wrestling matches, the biggest compliment I can give it is watch this match. There's no need for me to describe it. Just watch this match. And I feel like Josh, Zach, Joe, Carl, Ferris, everybody on the site, like that's all it is. Is they're great people. There's no need. There's a want, but there's no need to dive into it any more than that, you know? Yeah. But it, but even with the Sunday brunch you bring up, like that quite literally, Mags, it, it started. So we did the first live stream on our first Sunday and we jokingly titled it Sunday brunch so that we could have a beer while we were doing it. And we enjoyed doing it so much that, well, do you guys want to do this again next Sunday? And then the next Sunday? And then just keeps going from there. And again, it just develops, like you say, out of that love of talking about pro wrestling with like-minded people in some situations and very unlike-minded people in some situations. Chris Parrish, who works on the network with me, I can tell you on one hand how many times we've agreed on a booking decision or anything along those lines, but as long as people are respectful about it, it's what they love in professional wrestling, then why wouldn't you engage in a conversation about it, right? Exactly, and, and that's what we love on, on Badlands. It's the subjectivity of wrestling. We love uh, having the debates. Uh, I especially love when Paul's face goes bright red when I veto one of his uh, picks, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get to that later on. Uh, what I would like from you now, Spencer, is, is uh, because this is your first time on Badlands, we'd like your Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time, uh, just the four wrestlers who really kind of resonate with you. Uh, so Mr. Tollier can uh, add them to our collated list of, uh, of the Mount Rushmore greatest wrestlers. Sounds good, friend. I'll get the easy and I think probably the most obvious one for a lot of people out of the way first. Stone Cold Steve Austin, I think, has to be on 99% of lists out there. And the only reason that there's probably lists that he's not on are there are people out there who can make arguments for Flair, Steamboat, San Martino, and Harley Race. You know, like that's just, again, the subjectivity of professional wrestling. The era you grow up in matters so much. Who you got to watch wrestle live matters so much. But for me, as a guy who... Um, I was pretty well the definition, I would say, of a casual fan coming up through the Attitude Era and sort of early 2000s. So for me, I think the reason that Stone Cold sort of sticks out so much is even during that time when I wasn't watching wrestling for a couple weeks at a time or whatever, he was the guy that I was always paying attention to. What's Stone Cold up to? What's he doing? Who's he feuding with? And obviously the results speak for themselves. You know, he's a six-time WWE champion, intercontinental champion, Grand Slam champion. I don't need to list through everything he's done. He's main evented manias his feud with the rock i don't think there are many arguments for anybody who grew up in the adver or, uh, attitude era excuse me that that's the greatest feud of all time or the i guess defining feud of uh sort of our generation 
the guy eclipsed professional wrestling without doing much outside of professional wrestling, if that makes a lot of sense, where yeah. The Rock went out and The Rock was trying to star in movies and trying to really get his name out there. And you see where he is now, obviously. Stone Cold, at least as far as my memory serves, I'm going to get fact-checked, fact I'm sure. But uh, he wasn't doing a ton of that sort of stuff. There weren't sort of those celebrity appearances for Stone Cold. He really was the personification of professional wrestling. I think for a lot of people then now and forever to steal a phrase from WWE. So I think for me, he was, he was the first guy that came to mind when I thought greatest professional wrestlers of all time. He's literally the first result you'll find on Google. Can't make a better argument than that. As far as I'm concerned. So stone cold is uh, stone colds on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, the other guy I've got to give that was a pretty obvious selection for me as far as uh, uh, the Mount Rushmore goes is John Cena. I think that that guy has quite literally carried professional wrestling from 2002 until 2019. Like that guy was on top of professional wrestling for the longest of my lifetime or the longest of my memory at the very least. I know there's guys I mentioned Sam Martino earlier. And for me, I think that um, John Cena has, has, yeah, just, just, he, he carried the business through the lowest of low times and the ruthless aggression era and coming out of that. And he's carried at the highest of highs when WWE stocks trading at 70, 80, $90 a stock. If, if money's the metric, well, there you go. The proof's in the pudding there. If titles are your metric, the proof's in the pudding there. He's a 16 time world champ. He's got the most of all time. It's all there, right? He's crossed off every box as far as, again, manias, winning rumbles. He's got a major return from injury, which for me, it's one of those like weird, almost unspoken things. But I feel like you can't go down as the goat or in, in that consideration unless you've got like an all-time great return. And he's got it in 2008, right? So yeah. he was really, admittedly, he was an easy pick. I'm struggling for words, but he was a very easy pick for me to make. Um, from there, it gets a little bit tougher because that's where you start to, again, start to, um, you know, I guess do a little bit more comparison. Well, this guy won eight titles versus this guy won 10 or whatever it may be. Uh, had to go with the heart a little bit, though. Both literally and figuratively. Brett the Hitman Heart makes my Mount Rushmore. I did well with that one. I'm pretty pleased with that pun. Good job, Spencer. Oh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made me laugh. Um, Brett the Hitman Heart, though, as a Canadian, I, I have to qualify everything I'm about to say with, of course I'm biased. Back off. But uh, <laughs> he's, as far as I'm concerned, Canada's greatest export he is again a multi-time champion he's crossed all of those sort of accolades off you know don't need to list those um the thing that puts Bret Hart on the list for me and again not a unique thought by any means but one that has to be said he could wrestle a broomstick and get a three and a half four star match out of it like he could quite literally drag a good match out of anybody not to shit on the guy but you look at a guy like Tom McGee and everybody watches that match back well is it a classic by no means. Did he drag that guy to the best match of his career by a country mile? Absolutely. No one's going to argue that. And then you look at the matches that he did have with, with some of the greats, you know, Roddy Piper, Kurt Hedding, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Davey Boy Smith, Owen Hart. All of those guys have one thing in common. They had their best matches with Brett the Hitman Hart, right? And I know there's a lot of 
room for debate on those. Don't get me wrong. But that guy just, he, he could wrestle anybody. He was safe doing it, which I think is something that again, gets said a lot, but almost doesn't get the appreciation it deserves. Um, he did it all. He really, really did it all in an era where, um, almost conversely to John Cena, where it was really tough to do it all, where it was really tough to be the guy in an era where um, perhaps coming out of the Hulk Hogan era and all of that sort of stuff, uh, wrestling wasn't at its peak and wrestling wasn't as hot of a product as it had been. But Bret Hart carried that promotion through thick and thin. He did great, great work. I think that uh, the common critique anybody's got on him is, is his promos were weak, Bullshit. Sorry if you got to blink that out, but I, I really don't buy that. And again, for me, that might be the bias, but I think the most important thing in, in a promo isn't your eloquency. It isn't who can use the biggest words. It ain't a competition to that. It's believability. And there were very few times, to be quite honest with you, that I heard Bret Hart talk and I didn't believe what he was saying. And that's important for me. I think that that's a distinction that... Um, not to put myself over, I sound like a bit of a jerk saying it admittedly, but I don't think a lot of people do put that much stock into something like that. It's all uh, the words used and, 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 and things of that nature, I suppose. Uh, Bret Hart was always believable. And he had some killer promos. This is bullshit pushing Vince McMahon over. Try and tell me that that's not a promo that got you fired up. Yeah, um, in WCW in the middle of a WWE, uh, WWF ring. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you to doubt El Dandy? Right? Like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> entertaining. Bret Hart did it all. Bret Hart is Canada's greatest export. There are a lot of great Canadian professional wrestlers. I think he stands atop them all. Uh, and then one of Canada's greatest adopted sons uh, rounds out my Mount Rushmore. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues 
for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar, makes it on Spencer Love's Mount Rushmore. Now, hear me out on this one, because I think a lot of people will hear that, and they, I get it. Like, I would laugh if I was hearing this and hadn't had to back it up a million times myself. But Brock Lesnar, much like John Cena over the last little bit, last 15 years with the absence uh, he took for UFC, Nobody has been as vital to WWE and I think professional wrestling success as as Brock Lesnar has been, you know, there's a measurable increase in views, there's a measurable increase, excuse me, in buy rate and all of those sort of tangible money metrics. Uh, Anytime Brock Lesnar appears on TV, he brings that legitimacy I talk about with uh, a guy like Bret Hart, the greatest technician of all time. Brock Lesnar comes out, he looks like he could kill a brick. And I know that that's not the be-all, end-all in professional wrestling anymore, nor should it be. But you do need that by the same metric. If wrestling's a buffet, you can't completely ignore the big honking piece of meat at the end of the buffet, right? And that's Brock Lesnar. He's a prime attraction. He is... A mercenary. He is one of the greatest businessmen in professional wrestling. I think that goes understated. You know, I I grew up an NHL fan. I don't know what your guys' sort of sports of choice are outside of professional wrestling, but um, in the NHL, every year it seems like there's one or two contracts where you say, oh, man, how the hell could this guy sign this contract, whatever it may be? Uh, The example I'll use uh, on Edmonton Oilers fans is for years I remember people complaining about Sean Horkoff. He's a good hockey player. The guy got paid six million bucks a year for six years where uh, many people would make the argument that he was maybe a three or four million dollar player signed when the time was right. The only argument I ever had and it shut pretty well everybody up is would you if you were Sean Horikoff, if you were presented that contract, do you say no? to being overpaid or to working things in your advantage or to be capitalizing off a great year, whatever again the metric may be. Brock Lesnar shows up for work when he wants, makes millions of dollars to do it, and he's either carrying a title or showing up at the biggest events of the year to lose a title. If that ain't being a great businessman, I don't know what is. I really can't. And again, the in-ring stuff, I think, um, even without the UFC run, I think that the trajectory that he was on, obviously, given where he was in the WWE in 2001, 2002, 2003, the guy was legitimate. The guy was a badass. You aren't going to get obviously the same sort of he's a former UFC fighter. You're not going to get the mileage out of that, but you are going to get the mileage of a 15 year Brock Lesnar WWE run. If that's the argument you want to make, well, what if Brock Lesnar didn't leave for UFC? He wouldn't be as big. Yeah. He arguably could be bigger. I I just think that he's a guy who, again, um, is, is almost underappreciated in the long run of things. I, I, I will plant my flag in that. Screw it. Let's not hesitate. Brock Lesnar's underrated. He's a Mount Rushmore talent. Come at me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't get any back chat about Brock Lesnar on, on Badlands because we we love him. We think he's he's going to be uh, missed when he finally does give up wrestling. I think he's a, a not even a, a once-in-a-generation talent. He's a once-in-a-lifetime type oh, of talent. 
could you imagine, and, and I know that they're going to reveal it this year, so it's a bit of a moot point now, but could you imagine Brock Lesnar surprise returning as this ultra over baby face and going up against Roman Reigns now? Like, I, I get it. Yeah, they've done the match a lot, and yeah, you would have to present it uniquely in order for it to work again. Ultra baby face Brock. That is the only thing I need to say to convince anybody that that match would be great again. <laughs> baby I mean, Brock. <laughs> I, I love Huntsman magazine reading Brock. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> Brock in the bank. Like, again, tell me that that guy's lot, you know, maybe he didn't do it as often to both his benefit and his detriment. But like that guy is one of the most entertaining, one of the most funny individuals in professional wrestling when he wants to be his segment with our truth is something I'll still go back and watch almost bi-weekly at this point, just for his reactions, even the little stuff of, you know, I've got a year, I've got a year to cash this in. And then he like hits Paul Heyman with the papers and walks out of the ring. Like he's, he, he is a consummate professional wrestler. And if that guy had been, if that guy had been with WWE the whole time, because I get again, where the knock would come on longevity or he took a hiatus, wherever the argument may come, that guy would be talked about much, much more than he is right now as a, a generational talent to once in a lifetime talent. I really do. People know he is, but I really think that that's not always applied specifically to WWE or, or wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird way to put it because you know how great he is, but he's almost underrated in this specific mechanism that is pro wrestling. I don't know. Brock's just a shit. <laughs> well, well, we we've seen that uh, over the 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 episodes that we've done of Badlands that people who are actively still wrestling kind of do get overlooked, uh, and it, it's only when you uh, you retire that that you get brought up a lot more on, on, on Badlands uh, uh, for the for the Mount Rushmore. Uh, but, Paul, those are some great picks. Uh, how do they affect the tally? Uh, and also, how do they affect our own uh, Montreal screw job? Yeah, well... well Please yeah, tell you... me that's one vote for Brock. <laughs> that's, that, that's Brock's fourth vote, which is which is low for low for this show. You know, our, our, our tops are... Our, our top, um, top candidates are up over 30 now. So Brock's only got four. Um, that, that that just takes him above Osprey and Akada, who um, I don't. Yeah, I love Where's Akada, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's in Lesnar's level. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like me some Will Osprey wrestling, but oh, seeing again could be a case of he's still wrestling, so I don't see it. I don't see that Mount Rushmore level yet. No, he's not. Brock Lesnar and all day, every day. <laughs> I mean, I, I can counter that with Will Ospreay because I did, uh, for another podcast, I did some uh, maths and he's got the best five-star match ratio to actual matches that he's wrestled uh, in the history of wrestling. Uh, That's one fascinating. That's yeah, interesting. 1.64% of his matches have got five stars. The next nearest was... Uh, a carder with 1.41 percent something like that so yeah he's technically he's the best wrestler like ever how many how many matches <laughs> offhand is that uh he, he wrestled um I, I might have it here actually he wrestled 789 matches and he's got 13 uh five star plus matches out of that let's get going all right it's a good stat yeah. i'll so, i'll take that so he's technically the best wrestler that has ever lived is hey, Will Ospreay. He's, he's, he's disgusting. He's the best wrestler per capita. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> 
In that case, it's terrible. Lesnar's overtaken him in the chart here. Um, we need to do something about that. Um, but you're right. I, th- I, think, I think Brock will get a retirement boom if and when he retires. Someone who is getting a retirement boom, semi-retirement boom, is John Cena. So Cena's now um, now up to 15 votes, catching up Chris Jericho, who's on 19. And Chris Jericho's once Chris Jericho came out of semi-retirement into fully active, his votes just fell off a cliff. Yeah, he, he was the front runner for a, a long while. Uh, and what what's his position? I, I bet he's nowhere even near the top four. Yeah, Jericho's still still sixth. Oh, that's—it's not as bad as I thought. But um, but Spasina's catching, and Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are both catching him as well. They they they're level pegging now on thirteen. You brought your, you brought your homeboy Bret back uh, back level with Shawn Michaels. That's been the most interesting battle over the last four or five months of this show. That's the one that keeps that is uh, that outside of anything else that has all been wonderful thus far. That <laughs> is my favorite part of appearing on this podcast <laughs> is that at the very least I pulled Brett even with 13 other wrong people. <laughs> and, uh, and at the top, as always, we've got Ric Flair on 33. We've got the rock on 30. Steve Austin's now on 31. So I said them in the wrong order. Steve Austin's you put Steve Austin second and Hulk Hogan is fourth with 23. Yeah. It makes sense too, like because I like Flair was definitely in consideration for me, and just I never got to watch him wrestle enough. It's hard to just only watch back video and stuff like that when you're doing stuff like this because you don't have that emotional tie. Like I said, when I was a when I was a kid, Stone Cold was what I remembered, and that for me was one of the deciding factors and why he's on my list. And you know, guys like Flair wasn't. Yeah. We, we've noticed kind of like the the, the different ways that uh, 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 guests pick theirs. That you, you go for people who are uh, definitively classed as the best, uh, or you'll have people who have won the most amount of uh, accolades, or you'll get people who vote emotionally and they, they vote for the people who, who they really kind of gravitated to. Yeah. So let's get into this main topic, Spencer. Being, uh, being Canadian... We thought it would be very apropos uh, for you to uh, to debate with us the the Mount Rushmore of the greatest Canadian wrestlers of all time. So, who is your first pick? And I think we may have already heard his name already. <laughs> yes, let's get the uh, let's get the obvious one out of the way off the bat. Of course, if he's on my overall Mount Rushmore, if I've called him the greatest export in Canadian history, Brett the Hitman Hart has to be on my Canadian Mount Rushmore. Um, again, both for what he's already done, but how he's influenced such a wide variety of Canadian professional wrestlers. I know he's affected wrestlers from all countries. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, being based in Edmonton, we're only three hours north of uh, of Calgary as is. So you get a lot of crossover between promotions and, and things of that nature. And um, not as though Brett's training or has any official role as far as that goes anywhere, but just the impact that he has on, on so many individuals from his work with Stampede because so many people got to meet him or they grew up knowing that Brett the Hitman Hart was from Calgary, Alberta, and that made it a tangible goal for them growing up in sort of the early 90s and stuff to 
actually aspire for WWE. You know, I, I couldn't tell you how many champions there were from Calgary or from Canada prior to Bret Hart, but, um, Bret was at least for me, um, the the first guy associated with a lot of individuals I've run into when it comes to professional wrestling, when it comes to WWE champions, when it comes to all those, again, tangible metrics for, for professional wrestlers. So pretty easy, both for what he did personally and what he continues to do, influencing the next generation of professional wrestlers. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an outstanding pick. You can't think of Canadian wrestling without thinking of, of of Bret Hart, so there's no there's no two ways about it. He's definitely on that that Mount Rushmore of Canadian wrestlers. Um, I'm sure Ian's going to get brought up in, on our Mount Rushmore poll, but I think it's you to go first this time for us. I think I think I think it is. Yeah. Um, I think we 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 we've, <laughs> we've got to put Bret on, haven't we? Yeah. Let's let's get let's get Bret out of the way. Um, uh, um, Spencer's. Wax lyrical about him. He was certainly he was my favourite growing up. Um, uh, so I've always had that kind of emotional link with him. And you know, we 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 record another podcast um, with uh, with the nineties wrestling podcast. Looking back at at the moment, we're looking back at nineteen ninety one, kind of pay per view by pay per view. And it's it's quite clear looking back. These are, these are pay per views I've not seen before because they're a, bit, a little bit before my time. But it's quite clear looking back. Um, in my opinion even then he was the best um kind of between the ropes um even in that period before i mean he, he, he just won the intercontinental title in 1991 so before he was ever world champion but yeah he uh he was already starting to kind of blow the competition away in my opinion and like you say he um he really oversaw that transition from from steroid guys to technical um technical like real talented talented guys so um yeah he played a played a massive part in that whole 90s shift to uh through to the through the attitude era um Mm -hmm. yeah uh, for all the reasons you said i've got to got to put bret hart on there yeah i I agree and a mount rushmore theme song if we can just throw that one in there too Mount Rushmore theme. That opening guitar riff is is absolutely quality. It really gets you hyped up. Yeah. And uh, have oh you, yeah. Have you heard his own song um, for the uh, the WrestleMania WrestleMania it's my the ringtone. album? <laughs> it's your actually ringtone. my ringtone. Never. <laughs> Never been a right time to say goodbye. Never been a right time <laughs> to say good- That's actually and and mark my words. That's actually I've got it on my list because for anybody I've like. It's almost embarrassing, but um, for anybody I like see as someone who's a goal to interview or um, like a bucket list interview to be cliche with it, um, if I'm listening to interviews with them or anything along those lines, I'll write down questions. So like for someone like Bret Hart, I literally in this note file I'm going off of right now, I've got like 40 questions for him. And that's one of my closing questions for him is I want to see if he'll do a couple of bars of uh, never <laughs> been a right time to say goodbye for me. <laughs> that, w- that would be the best interview. Talk about ever. a new ringtone. <laughs> be amazing. <laughs> I can't say I've ever seen anyone ask him about it. No. I've- no, and it's 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 fascinating. Like that entire album is fascinating. Like The Undertaker sings that Man in Black song too. And like... The Undertaker, this huge protector of kayfabe, singing this pop rocks pop rock song on like a '90s <laughs> WrestleMania album. Like I miss the good old days where the boys were boys and we brought <laughs> us into the studio to sing our pop rock. 
Like, are you kidding me, man? Sorry, that's that's neither here nor there. Positive, Spencer. Positive. <laughs> the, the, the whole album is extraordinary. We we talked about it a few, a few weeks back, and uh... not as bad as you would think. Not great by any means, but definitely not as bad as you would think. Like, I'll bop to never been a right time to say goodbye. Oh yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's a big deal in Canada, but it, it was like Simon Cowell's first um, foray into music. And uh, yeah. Simon Cowell's like he, he does the X Factor. Oh, I know Simon makes me cry every year with America's Got Talent and Canada's Got Talent and all those Got Talent shows because they always bring you just the saddest. Most <laughs> it's one of the only things I'll cry in is like dog movies and then any inspirational stories in these talent shows. <laughs> Seriously, I'm so good at playing the flute, and it all came because I was whatever the situation may be. Like you've got me, you've got me tearing up. <laughs> Wow. Hit a spot, you guys. <laughs> How have we gone from Bret Hart to Canada's Got Talent? That's a that's a real kind of a if six degrees of separation there. <laughs> <laughs> what, what makes Spencer cry? That's the Jeopardy topic right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've got to agree with you both. Uh, uh, I'm definitely not going to veto Bret Hart because, for me, what stands out about him is is not even the 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 kind of uh, the belts that he won or the the what, how he made me feel as a fan. It's the fact that if you took his wrestling style now and placed it in 2021, it would still work. He was so legitimate. He brought uh, a, a very technical. Uh, it was it was almost ahead of his time in terms of of, of wrestling, especially in the WWF, where it was all uh, one or two uh, moves from from a big guy. He had absolute skill, and he, he really kind of uh, sold the technical aspect of, of wrestling. And, and if he was around today, he would fit in perfectly with uh, with the style of, of twenty twenty one wrestling. So yeah, I can't begrudge. Bret Hart going on the Mount Rushmore. Um, so, uh, and we got we got to throw out there as well. Uh, again, something we talk about a lot. Ninety seven when he pitted Canada against America was just when he pitted the world against America. the world against America. It was, it was such an incredible time to watch wrestling. And unless we forget yeah. uh, SummerSlam ninety two, where he carried uh, a very very drugged up uh, David Boy Smith to one of the best matches. Uh, uh, certainly of that period and, and of all time. Oh, a classic, yeah. a classic. And, and, you know, you mentioned that match, like you say, every, everybody you talk to, it's very cool for me. Um, again, being, being based in Edmonton, you get to ask a lot of people who have some pretty direct experience with this stuff. What's your favorite Bret Hart match? You ask 10 people that question, you'll get 10 different answers for the most part. Whereas a lot of people, and this isn't a knock, but eh, it is screw it. Bret versus Sean. When you talk about Shawn Michaels' great matches, well, they were with his friends and The Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And that's really about it. And and they're great matches. The guy's quite easily one of the greatest talents of all time. But when it comes to Brett, I think that's one of the things that's really differentiated from uh, differentiated him for me, excuse me. Um, and especially when that Brett versus Shawn debate comes up, it comes up in every sport, right? Um that's one of the biggest things for me where I give Brett the edge is that he had great matches with everybody. Like yeah. you see the tweet every so often on Twitter, show me a Brett, show me a bad Brett Hart match. I've never seen it answered. No. And sorry, sorry to link on Brett Hart a bit longer here, but um, 
how, how famous is he in Canada uh, in terms of transcending wrestling? Is is he just famous with wrestling fans, or is he a, a, a is he's a big he's, guy in Canada? He's famous for sure. He's famous. Um, yeah, um, I, he's known for his wrestling. I don't think he's done very much outside of professional wrestling or um, anything along those lines. But yeah, like you, you can ask pretty well anybody who Bret Hart is, and they'd be able to tell you. My dad knows who he is, so there's there's the best <laughs> evidence I can ever give you. Because <laughs> wow. I've always wondered that. Because who, who have we got over here, um, Darren? Uh, that if you ask someone out on the street. Like, do you know such and such? They'd say yes. You probably you probably got Hulk Hogan, haven't you? Yeah. Well, he's not particularly British, though. So well, he's not. He's not British at all. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying in terms of wrestlers, um, but yeah, in British wrestlers, of, it's Big Daddy, British, isn't it? That's it. It's Big Daddy. Maybe giant haystacks. Uh, nobody from the past twenty years. No, uh, no one's here to Will Osprey. <laughs> <laughs> There's another probably. argument. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No one has heard of the technically the greatest wrestler that's ever lived. Wow, that's shocking. Uh, let's let's get on to Spencer's second pick. Uh, who uh, who makes your uh, second spot on your Mount Rushmore of Canadian wrestler, Spencer? My second pick is one who, again, I almost feel is is underrated, and um, I think specifically underappreciated is a great Canadian, Trish Stratus. How Ooh. more people aren't talking about the fact that it's, it's so silly to say, but like with a guy like Bret Hart, again, you hear Bret Hart and, oh, that's Canada. That's Canada, baby. You know, Trish Stratus, I don't think gets that same recognition and I'm frustrated about it. I'm very frustrated about it. Trish Stratus is, is a game changer, like a game changer in all the same ways. I think a lot of the women of today are. Um, and I think that it's, it's really, really unfortunate that, um, perhaps women's wrestling wasn't as, um, prevalent or, or the desire, not the desire. It's a weird way to talk about it, but, um, women just weren't presented the same way then as they are now, I guess is the best way to put it. And someone like Trish Stratus, who, I admittedly took her licks with a lot of those really um, gaudy storylines that did take place in the late 90s. She was also someone who stood out much like Alita or a Mickey James or a Molly Holly is a woman who wanted to wrestle. And I think that that, at least in my experience and speaking to pro wrestlers, that impacted so many pro wrestlers, not just women, so many pro wrestlers to go out there and be great wrestlers. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. The impact that she's had on the sport, I think, is still to this day pretty understated in the grand scheme of things. And that's just not fair. Damn it. Um, Multi-time champ. Like, if you want to give all the accolades, she's got them. You got to scroll down when you get to the accolades part or the championships part on her Wikipedia page. So there's enough evidence for you folks. She's done all of that. She's had the great returns. She's had the moments in uh, the Royal Rumble. She's had it at SummerSlam against Charlotte Flair on a stacked card. For me, that was arguably the best match. And I don't think many people would really debate that. And that's Trish Stratus doing that. I think she debuted even in 98. So that's 20 years after she had originally began professional wrestling. And I should like emphasize originally began professional wrestling. This isn't someone who um, went through the indies or went through sort of your traditional development of a professional wrestler. And I know this is audio only, so stressing that I'm using my air quotes here. Um, 
Trish Stratus is is someone who um, came into professional wrestling, worked her ass off in professional wrestling, earned everything that she did get, and inspired the next generation. Yeah. And I think for me, um, you talk about great accolades in a person. You talk about accolades that I think, you know, I'm biased with it, but I think accolades that a lot of Canadians are known for is their hard work, perseverance, sort of the lumberjack mentality, I like to call it. Um, Trish Stratus had it. She had it in spades. Um, and again, great matches, man. Great, great matches with Mickey James, with Lita, with all of the aforementioned women. Um, she was the pillar. Right. And uh, that doesn't get recognized enough. I think that Trish Stratus is a Mount Rushmore talent. I think that Trish Stratus is a women's Mount Rushmore talent. And to be quite honest with you guys, I, I think she's just a Mount Rushmore talent. Period. Yep. I, I, I have to agree. Uh, I think she was pivotal in. Uh, in the transition from women just being in two-minute matches because of their looks to actually being able to to wrestle. Uh, and what makes her stand out more is so, something that you you touched on is the fact she didn't enter wrestling as a wrestler. She was a valet. She had no wrestling experience at all. She learned on the job and she she learned quick and she, like I said, she busted her ass. Uh, she didn't have to. She would have had a, uh, a storied career as a, a, a valet, but... Um, but she she wanted to to be a wrestler. And she was passionate about it, and you cannot you cannot falter for that. She was really kind of a trailblazer. Yeah, absolutely. She's she's a, she's a great pick. Um, yeah. Thank you. I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just echoing what you say. She could have come in. She could have rested on her laurels. She could have had a she could have had a ten fifteen year career in WWE on 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 looks alone. Um, but she didn't settle for that, and and she did drive. She did drive that change. And, and we still that. want that Sasha Banks match. <laughs> it may come. You never know. Absolutely. So I'm not the first to put it into the universe, but the more you put it into the universe, right? Well, what's she what's she doing on Sunday? <laughs> Wish it into existence. <laughs> Rubs hands together in glee. <laughs> so. I'll go to my first pick on our Mount Rushmore, Paul. Uh, and I think you know who I'm going to go with. Uh, I'll get the obvious one out of the way. The GOAT, the Demo God, Le Champion. I've got to go with uh, Christopher Jericho. Such you a... surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd throw, throw one kind of a pick <laughs> out of the box just so you wouldn't know. Yeah. This gaff is is the best wrestler that's ever worked for me. Uh, the way he's reinvented himself over his career, thirty plus year uh, wrestler, wrestled in every big company that there is, um, made a massive massive impact when he came over to uh, the WWF in nineteen ninety nine. Um, the best intro, uh, uh, introduction to a company ever for me. Multiple time world champion, first ever undisputed champion, beating The Rock and Stone Cold, who were the biggest stars of the of the time back then. Um, the guy has just done it all. Knows exactly um, to 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 not outstay his welcome. Goes away, comes back, and he's ref refreshing his character. Is uh, successful in so many other mediums, books, podcasts. Got a a, a chart topping band. He's travelled the absolute world and, and just 
trailblazed everywhere he goes. And when we thought, yeah, he couldn't do any more, the guy went over to New Japan and set the absolute wrestling world alight. And he was he was arguably a massive, massive uh, influence in, in getting AEW up and running, which he ended up becoming the, the face of and really legitimised them as competition for, for WWE. First ever AEW champion, uh, carried the company on his back for the for the, the first six months, and even now he's still a massive player in in that company, and he's somebody who, if if he was available, WWE would absolutely snap back up. Um, yeah, he, whilst recently his kind of like personal choices and his political leanings have left a little bit to be desired. If we're talking in terms of wrestling, he is he's. he's it clearly head and shoulders on the top of my Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Ergo, he has to be on top of the Mount Rushmore of Canadian wrestling for me. So I'm going to go with Chris Jericho. You, you can keep him on, but he can't go head and shoulders above the others. That's that's how Mount Rushmore works. <laughs> They're all on the same level. <laughs> I was I was hoping you'd get to it because if not, I was going to get him on a call. He's pushing it there. Asking for a pyramid. I'm sure you guys both saw me on this chat, like go to pipe up like three times with that. (laughs) Well played. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, and, and if we're moving on to me, I'm just going to keep going. Um, Yeah. Jericho, Jericho was my third choice as well. I think that you nailed a lot of the same points that I did. Um, The amount of times that guy has reinvented himself is, is, just absolutely insane. Literally the second ever like opinion piece I wrote. Um, I started writing WWE like pay-per-view previews. And then the first opinion Peter piece I wrote, excuse me, um, was literally on my favorite theme music. The second ever, um, the second ever, ever feature that I ever did was on Chris Jericho and why I felt he was the greatest of all time. And I backed it up and like, this was literally like a 2000 word piece, which ain't much, but for a guy who'd never done it before is nuts. The amount of detail and time you put into that thing is crazy. And I think I wrote that in 2017. And the funny thing about it for me, cause I've gone back and read it a couple of times since is, um, Paul, you alluded to it, but, um, this was right before he went back and, uh, started wrestling for new Japan and, and did his thing there and wrestled Omega. And th- this is all done before AEW. And the thing that I love about that article now is I could go back and rewrite that article only focusing on the last three, four or five years and still make a pretty good case for why he's the goat, excluding all of the stuff I'd, I'd put in there previously, you could still make a great case. And that's absolutely, it, it's just fundamental to professional wrestling is the ability to change yourself, right? Is like Bray Wyatt, I think is the very easy, obvious example. As far as it goes, a guy who was doing good work and people liked and all of the hyperbole you want to put behind someone, he should be shot to the moon, brother, brother, and all of that. And I don't disagree, but reinvention and you see where he's at now and you see the level that a Bray Wyatt's at now. Chris Jericho was even, I think almost a step ahead of that and in, in that he would consistently reinvent himself and do it as often as he could. Um, before, you know, even the need or the opportunity presented itself, you know what I mean? Like with the list, like, yeah, flukes into it a little bit, but runs with it before there's even a need for Jericho to s- stop relying quote unquote on what he was doing prior to that, which is still going with the same gimmick that he'd had since he came back and 
came back at number two in the rumble and yada, yada, yada. I don't need to do the history of Jericho. Take it in, man. Um, I, I just think you nailed it when, when you described his ability to reinvent himself. What he's doing then, what he's doing now is insane. The ability that he's had to remain consistent is nuts. Um, yeah, he, no one can argue that he's a Mount Rushmore talent. I love listening to people wax lyrical about Chris Jericho. It's one of my favorite, favorite things you. about this show. <laughs> I, I can do it. Don't worry. I, I can try and do it about most professional wrestlers. <laughs> I mean, most. Everything he touches turns to gold. Like yeah. to, to create catchphrase after catchphrase after catchphrase, that actually isn't easy to do at all. No. I mean, you can see Vince McMahon tries to create catchphrases all the time and none of them stick. Um, well, you, you say about the, like the, the best theme songs of all time. He had one of the greatest theme songs of all time. Then he wrote an even better one for himself that the entire crowd sing every Wednesday night to him. (laughs) And it's a question. It's, it's one of my favorite questions to ask myself and like have almost a mental debate of is like Jericho ever were to return to WWE. How could you not use Judas at this point? Mm -hmm. Right? Like to deviate a little bit off of Jericho, like, if if Dean Ambrose ever went back to WWE, would he use the name Dean Ambrose because he's become so damn popular as John Moxley? Like these are the things that keep me up at night and kept me out of the good schools. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, what, I, I think what's without doubt is that no matter what Chris Jericho's done in the last few years, I think I think Vince McMahon would sign him back in a in an instant. Absolutely, I think I think it's no secret that he he loves Chris Jericho. Yeah, and, uh, and Jericho's gone on record a couple of times of saying that I, I'm paraphrasing and interpreting in my own way here. So if I'm wrong, come at me. Um, but as far as I've sort of been led to believe, like Vince almost didn't believe that Jericho would go to AEW because, and Jericho has gone on record again as saying that he was so loyal to Vince McMahon. He was so tied to Vince that he had turned away opportunities like this previously. It just goes to show at least again, it goes back to almost the Brock Lesnar argument for me. Like he's a great business person and you need to be one to be a great professional wrestler. You you just do. And it's, it's unfortunate in some senses because there are some fantastic pro wrestlers out there that uh, maybe didn't get the recognition or the shine or whatever that they deserved because they maybe weren't great business people. And that almost shouldn't apply when you're talking about a sport, but when you're talking about entertainment, it's the most important part. And I think after, especially yesterday in the WWE and Peacock deal, we, we firmly know which side of sport versus entertainment, at least that promotion aims towards, right? Not that it's a bad thing, not that it's a good thing, but it is the thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of fans forget that wrestling is a business at the end of the day. Uh, we get, uh, as a group, we get emotionally attached to uh, certain wrestlers or characters, and when we don't kind of get uh, what we think is the best for that for those characters, we, we especially on social media, we seem to throw our toys out of the pram. But the companies are looking to earn money. AEW are looking to earn money. They they're not wrestling for the good of their health. They they're wrestling to pay the bills and to to earn a living. Uh, and I think a lot of fans kind of do forget that. Exactly. Like, could you imagine if, like, soda Twitter 
was as ruthless <laughs> and weird as like wrestling Twitter. Could you imagine if Coca-Cola fans were tweeting at Pepsi every day and complaining about Pepsi's marketing decisions and all of it? Man, it's nuts to me, like this weird little environment that we find ourselves in. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, here on Badlands, we are trying to get our toes into uh, pork scratchings Twitter. If that's a thing, I will politic for you guys all day as far as that goes. <laughs> Help me out with some product every so often, and I will do what I can. <laughs> well, before we go off on another incredibly insane tangent, Paul, your second pick, sir. Okay, I find this one I find this one a bit tricky because I knew I knew you'd go for Jericho and I knew I couldn't do Jericho justice. I didn't go for Jericho. Obviously I have Bret Hart. I've got I've got a choice of two here and I still haven't decided which one I'm going for. And I, f- I think I'm gonna go boring as it is. I'm gonna go for Stew Hart. Ooh, interesting. Let's try and stop me to, from vetoing then. The reason I'm gonna go for Stew Hart is I think he's almost <laughs> like the father of modern wrestling. Um, obviously, we clearly he trained Brett. He he trained Owen, but he trained. A hell of a lot of um, incredibly talented wrestlers. Uh, he wasn't much of a wrestler. Well, I wouldn't say he wasn't much of a wrestler himself. He, he wasn't as a renowned wrestler as others. He didn't get world championships. He kind of began as an amateur wrestler, but in which he qualified for the 1940 Olympic Games, but they were cancelled due to war. Um, and he became a professional professional wrestler in 1946. Uh, in New York, going through NWA, and then obviously setting up um, Stampede Wrestling in Calgary, which wasn't called Stampede Wrestling in the beginning. I think it was called something else back, um, a Big Cat Wrestling or something like that. Um, but we go on to become Stampede Wrestling, which which I gather was a, a very popular promotion in Canada and kind of really trailblazed um, like wrestling on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I read that it was one of the most popular popular TV shows in, in Canada. Oh, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm only keeping myself quiet so I don't take up another hour for you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to interject, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was say, he's, he's, he's there. I'm putting him in because he is the patriarch of, of the Hart family, which is in, incredible, as we know, and he's the founder of, of the dungeon. Um, we're, we're some of the greatest names in, in pro wrestling today have trained. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. He's a Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer. And he has a, a member of the Order of Canada. So again, I'm relying on you, Spencer. To, is, is that a big thing? Is that like... Uh, that is the highest civilian honor you can get. There you go. I've that's heard... Like a, like and, an and now this may be just a hot scoop, but I believe the highest civilian honor you can earn is... is am I hearing it? Yes, big deal. <laughs> <laughs> big scoop there. <laughs> so I, I see him as equivalent to our knighthood then here yeah so it's about as close as you can get yeah that's my that's my rushmore in itself obviously the, the, dun, the dungeon is is um is infamous the kind of the style of the dungeon um uh, very very um uh draconian draconian very draconian you know an intense focus on submission wrestling but but teaching submission as if, you know, as if it's the real deal, uh, you know, that the, the students would learn what these moves did to the human body if applied correctly. And mm-hmm. um, apparently Stu, Stu Hart took no payment 
for any of the training he delivered at the dungeon. Just did it because he wanted his style of wrestling to kind of go out into the world. And he enjoyed he enjoyed training and torturing youngsters, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I don't think was sinister. I think he, he just liked wrestling. That went dark again. <laughs> <laughs> Murder, uh, child uh, torture, weird podcast today, you guys. There's going to be my <laughs> comment on this one. <laughs> You've just got to listen to this list. You've got Brett, you've got Owen, you've got the extended family, Jim, uh, Jim Neidhart, Natalia Neidhart, British Bulldog, then obviously you've got Dynamite Kid, Abdullah the Butcher, Brian Pillman, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Edge and Christian, uh, Dynamite Kid. Like all of them, man. Yeah, Jake the Snake, yeah. Roberts, Junkyard Dog. Jushin van der Liger trained in a dungeon. Ken Shamrock, Roddy Piper. It's almost like a who's who of wrestling through the 90s and 90s, noughties and, and beyond. So I think for, for the impact he had through setting up um, Stampede Wrestling, through setting up the dungeon and just the, the vast number of names he's trained and the style he's brought to pro wrestling, I put him on the Mount Rushmore. I so want to veto. I really, really <laughs> do want to veto. But you, everything you've said is absolutely true. If it, if Stu Hart wasn't around, I think wrestling would not be what it what it was in the in the late eighties, early nineties, and certainly wouldn't have evolved into what we have today. So it was massively, massively influential. Uh, plus, he owned terrible Ted the Bear, and you can of course. Terrible Carl. Ted trained at the dungeon as well. Yeah. There are not enough wrestling bears. There, there simply aren't enough you, anymore. You, you don't need any more once you've got choir. Terrible Ted. You preach Talk to about the choir professional wrestling. We adore <laughs> liked, Terrible Ted. I liked when bears were bears. Yeah. In the dressing room. <laughs> that has a whole other connotation nowadays, though. <laughs> <laughs> you see Yogi stealing picnics these days. Uh, pi- picnic, it's picnic, picnic, and Yogi Bear doesn't even operate these days. I'm sure my age there. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, Yogi Bear is like a fine wine. You're good to go. That, that won't ever age. Yeah, so I, I can't veto Stuart. Stuart, it's a, it's an outstanding pick. Excellent, thank you. Terrible actor, of course, Steve, Steve Hart. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Good lord, the the match where um where Brett wins Intercontinental title and uh, Lord Alfred Ayres goes into the into the crowd to torture him, he he just couldn't give a toss. He just was not bothered at all. Just, I mean, Helen Hart's there, really like kind of hugging Brett and like sobbing, and Stuart's there with just pant his t-shirt tucked into his pants, which is uh, riding highlights. Simon Cole, yeah, he just he was not interested in the slightest. <laughs> And they kept bringing him back. They kept bringing him back for sex, sex segments. We'd have to punch someone or he'd have to get punched and just very wooden. <laughs> he tried his best and had fun, okay? And that's yeah. what matters at the end of the day. And he might have done it for free. You never know. It could have. <laughs> well, well it's, it's a great pick. Uh, Spencer, let's round off this madness uh, for your Mount Rushmore. Uh, who's All your right. last pick? Well, uh, I've, I've got to get through some honorable mentions because as a Canadian, I feel like I have earned that right to not offend my fellow countrymen by leaving their names out of this. So uh, my couple of honorable mentions here, I've got Edge, I've got Lance Storm, I've got Owen Hart, I've got PCO, as he is currently known by. I, I again, talk about underappreciated individuals. Guy's the man. 
that's all there is. That's all I need to say about him. And I always have to specify Saskatchewan's own Rowdy Roddy Piper. Saskatchewan's own Rowdy Roddy Piper. Let's just make sure that that one is underlined, <laughs> highlighted, and bolded. Um, for me, though, and and I am fully going to let my bias shine through again here, um, but I think an overarching theme in in my selections throughout the day have been just the impact on professional wrestling as a whole. And I think that the individual that I've got on my Mount Rushmore is my number four is someone who uh, not only did so for the past 10, 15 years, but someone who uh, is going to continue to do so. And it might surprise some people, but uh, my pick number four is Tyson Kidd. I've got him as my number four on, on all time. And um, again, I, I do say that with the caveat that a lot of the individuals that I even named in my honorable mentions, yeah, they've got accolades galore. They've got um, many that Tyson Kidd hadn't collected himself in his time in WWE, but um, I, I do. And, and, and this is sort of the only personal, I guess, point I'll make on it. The impact that that guy would have on professional wrestling, had he not been hurt, um, and had he continued to do what he was doing, you look at some of the tag matches that that guy was having, whether it was with Cesaro, whether it was with David Hart Smith. Um, my personal belief, man, is that if he was to continue to stay sort of in in that tag division, cool. Would it be my preference? No, the guy's a great singles wrestler. But if he does that and he sticks around, um, I think you're looking at an entirely new trajectory for the tag team division in wrestling in, in WWE. I really, really do. The work that he was putting in, again, with Cesaro when they're going into Elimination Chamber 2015, um, wrestling the New Day in Chicago, like some of those sorts of matches you guys watch back and uh, rightfully so, we're talking about DIY and the Revival and American Alpha and that sort of being the golden age of tag team wrestling in uh, in WWE. Uh, I very respectfully, because they're great matches, but I very respectfully uh, disagree. You go watch 2014, 2015 WWE, tearing it up. They absolutely tear it up. And a focal point of all of that is uh, is Tyson Kidd. And again, just, just to go back to the impact that he's had on, on professional wrestling, um, I, I don't say this as, as hyperbole, to be quite honest with you. Um, that guy is going to have the same impact on Canadian wrestlers now as I think uh, Bret Hart did then. I think that you look at some of the wrestlers coming out of Alberta now, you know, it's kind of funny. I like the parallel of we have the founder of the Hart Dungeon and we've got literally the last graduate of the Hart Dungeon here. Um, and in Tyson Kidd, you know, um, some of the names he's trained, whether it's Michael Richard Blaze, whether it's Brandon Van Danielson, whether it's the work he's doing with the women's division right now in SmackDown and, and Raw, like it's nuts. I, I don't think I've had the opportunity to be honest with you. And again, this is, I qualified at the start, but I'll qualify again that my bias fully shines through on this one. Um, but I don't think I've met a person smarter in professional wrestling than, than Tyson Kidd, or at least had the opportunity to, to speak to. And in speaking to other people here locally, the, the impact that he's had on their careers and, um, as cheesy as it sounds, what's what's attainable for a professional wrestler and an indie wrestler out of Calgary, Alberta or Edmonton, Alberta is just so, so tangible. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, Tyson Kidd, I've got that guy's amount. Rushmore talent. I'll stand by it until the day I expire. <laughs> and that's the proof, right? Because, you, get, you know, you, you interview a lot of wrestlers and uh, we can we can sit here and talk all night about who we think are the greatest wrestlers of all time. But when you start to hear the same names popping up over and over again in coming out of other wrestlers mouths in interviews that's when you know 
yeah. their impact and how great they are. And sometimes they're, they're really surprising names who you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, I know that it does sort of take away from um, who's the greatest wrestler. It's like talking about who's the greatest athlete, right? But um, when people talk about the greatest athletes, they always talk with Michael Jordan, for example. They don't just talk about, well, he could shoot a fucking basketball. They talk about his leadership. They talk about his ability to inspire others. They talk about his ability to command a room or whatever that may be. So for me, if you're looking at the sport of professional wrestling, not the entertainment side of it, but the sports side of it, then you can't take away those, those um, intangible qualities. You know, um, Again, to use the hockey comparison, by my money, Jonathan Taves is one of the best hockey players of the last 20 years. And is he a 100-point guy every year? No. Does he have the hands or the speed of a guy like a Connor McDavid? No. But the leadership ability that that guy's shown and the ability to uh, inspire others and take other individuals to the next level, um, nobody's better by my money. So um, if that's the considerations I'm going to give to uh, athletes in other sports, then that's the consideration I've got to give to athletes in professional wrestling. And by that metric, by my money, uh, nobody in the past 20 years in Canadian professional wrestling has, uh, has done that quite like TJ Wilson, Tyson kid. Outstanding pick. And the fact that there's potential that his wrestling is in ring career, it may still not be over. Uh, when we've seen the comebacks, uh, from, from the likes of Daniel Bryan and, and edge, uh, and there's a lot of, uh, kind of, uh, rumors going around that, that he's on the cusp of, of, of perhaps returning. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a great, great pick. I remember watching, uh, recently for, a, uh, an episode of Badlands, his match with, uh, Yoshitatsu, uh, where they had a uh, a leg on a pole match, uh, and it was yeah. absolutely ridiculous setup for a match. Uh, but it was a great match. It's such a good yeah. match to watch. So crisp and clean between the two guys. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a, an outstanding pick. A very a one that you wouldn't necessarily consider, but yeah, I can mm -hmm. understand exactly the reasoning behind it. Oh yeah, man. And like I said, I I, I always will admit I'm fully biased towards. Uh, people you just know are great people. And as much as you can get to know of someone in an hour conversation or an hour interview, um, I admit that's not much. Don't get me wrong there, but frankly, number one, it's more than I've got with a lot of other legends of professional wrestling. Um, but getting that firsthand experience, a lot like I talk about with even Steve Austin earlier, and I know they're different firsthand experiences, but Stone Cold. I have the firsthand experience of remembering him when I was a kid and and gravitating towards him, and that's why he's on my Mount Rushmore. And uh, with Tyson Kidd, again, getting the opportunity to pick his brain on stuff like that. Like you talk about his two appearances, not just one, but he spent two appear or, or he spent two years in in Japan at the best of the Super Juniors. Like that's nuts, and nobody talks about the stuff that he's done um, because, again, maybe back then and and. I'm I'm using my interpretation, not fact here, but um, doesn't seem like back then it had the same sort of panache or, or same sort of legacy that it does now. Because for me, that's like a scheduled event now. As you sit down, you watch the best of the Super Juniors every year. Whereas back then, I don't I don't believe I should say that that, that it was the same. But um, the impact that he was able to have, and um, a, a kid from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, going over and getting the opportunity to participate in that, not just once, but impress enough to go over and do it again two years later. Um, it's nuts. You know, I think that Calgary has a 
great reputation in professional wrestling and rightfully so don't get me wrong there but um over probably the last 20 30 years since the official first closure i guess of of stampede um it has sort of taken a bit of a hit as far as that international um not reputation but noticeability it is definitely harder to get noticed now in edmonton and calgary and uh any really of the pacific northwest than it was back in in sort of the 80s and 90s when Stampede was not just a promotion, but like the independent quote-unquote promotion, right? So the fact that there are individuals who, um, A, will go to bat for a guy like Tyson Kidd, rightfully so because he's as talented as he is, but B, that there are individuals like a Tokyo Joe who takes him under his wing and uh, provides the conduit for him to go over to Japan and for that opportunity to work. Like, again, I'm, I'm rambling at this point, but it just... For me, there is a lot of uh, extra weight given to the fact that that guy was able to do things that um, until he and Natty and uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. went and did it, a lot of people thought was pretty unfathom- unfathomable up here, to be honest. Because, yeah, the Hearts have a great reputation <clears throat> in pro wrestling, but up until Brett came back to WWE, the last appearance you saw of Brett Hart was the Montreal Screwjob. And I don't think that that's going to provide a great conduit for a lot of Calgarian professional wrestlers to go to WWE or provide a lot of desire for WWE to go to Calgary, you know? So, again, I can give you guys a million reasons if you want me to keep going, but I think I'll leave it at that. I think I've got enough good reasons that Tyson Kidd is one of the all-time greats to come from the country. You've sold me. (laughs) My job is done. I'll see you later. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it, it's an outstanding pick. Uh, like I said, not somebody who I consider, but I totally get why uh, why he he has made such an impact for for you. And and yeah, he absolutely deserves it. And hopefully, his wrestling career isn't done, and we do get to see uh, see him back in a ring very very soon. Um, let's uh, potentially round our Mount Rushmore off, Paul. Um, and Lars Spencer, it would be it would be really bad of me to not at least mention a couple of the the um, honourable mentions that I've got. Um, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan's own Roddy Piper's got to be brought up. Um, very tempted to 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 put him on. Owen Hart, Lance Storm, um, some massive the Mountie. We could even have the Mountie on here. Um, I mean, we could if you wanted to get vetoed. He <laughs> <laughs> should. He's got the honorary like fifth spot, where in like I guess the entrance to the Canadian route, Mount Rushmore, like yeah, and Mounties too. He holds the just velvet on, just rope, on, just on like the Canadiana alone. That's the perfect way to put it. He'll let you into Mount Rushmore. But the the one I'm actually going to go for is a uh, is well potentially it was part of a a tag team with a, a very good friend of his who they, for a while, called him his brother in WWE. I'm going to go with Edge. So this is a, a guy who, who's pretty much been a, a WWE company guy all the way through his wrestling career. Started uh, with the company in uh, mid-2016, uh, eventually came on to, uh, to TV in the middle of uh, uh, 1998. Uh, broke the neck of Jose Estrada in his first ever match. Um, but the you're company, supposed to be selling him, yeah? I, I, I'll get there. I'll get there. But the company fell. You can't get uh, up before you dip. 
yeah, you need the drop. You need the drop before you climb the ladder. Um, yeah, the, the company really must have felt a lot about him because his first spot in a in a, a pay per view was actually with tagging with Sable, who back then was one of the biggest stars in in the WWF. Um, ended up being part of the Brood, which is a, a massive favorite of uh, of Badlands. Uh, teamed up with his brother, teamed up with uh, Gangrel, ended up winning his first ever Intercontinental title when he beat Jeff Jarrett. The uh, the the pair of them kind of transitioned away from the vampire gimmick uh, and and then really kind of dug their heels into the tag division where they would end up being uh, seven times tag team champions and Edge himself would be a 14-time champion. Um, he won the 2001 King of Ring. And for me... Why I picked Edge over a lot of these um, other other potential picks is he was the person for me who I always felt he had a glass ceiling or he struggled to to break through. But in 2004, he really reinvented himself and pushed his way through that uh, brass uh, that uh, glass ceiling, grabbed that brass ring and became an absolute superstar in in wrestling to the point he was calling himself the the rated R superstar won um, the Money in the Bank, won multiple world champions to the point where he had um, uh, 11 total world titles, involved in some huge storylines with John Cena, a real kind of almost like career feud, uh, really showed the the tenacity to to keep himself on top using the likes of uh, Vicky Guerrero, um, and and Lita and 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 people like that to to really kind of uh, just keep himself in the conversation. Um, he would end end up being inducted into the the 2012 Hall of Fame after he uh, after he had to relinquish his last world title uh, because he had the he had spinal stenosis and the risk of uh, being paralysed uh, if he got further injured. But then uh, last uh, in in 2019 we saw Edge come back. He speared Elias, and that started the rumor mill kicking off that perhaps we may get Edge back, and that was confirmed at last year's Royal Rumble where we got that massively emotional return. He ended up with his feud back with uh with his uh, frenemy uh, Randy Orton had a, an amazing match at, uh, at WrestleMania. And unfortunately, he tore his tricep at the the rematch at Backlash. But as of I think yesterday, uh, for context, we're recording this on the twenty sixth of January. He's declared himself for the twenty twenty one Royal Rumble. So this guy's career has 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 come round over twenty five years. He's as relevant as ever. Probably still going to be a world, another world champion. He's the record holder for the amount of accolades in in the WWE, and uh, an absolute legend. And yeah, he's I am a, a, a unabashed, unashamed Edgehead. So yeah, I've got to go with uh, with Edge. Talk about like Mount Rushmore theme music as well, just to touch on the brood. Like he, that he's is he's got a Mount Rushmore theme music of his own. He could have the full Mount Rushmore. Yep. <laughs> you can take them all. Yeah. You can even do like his original You Think You Know Me weird techno dance track on there. Yeah, yeah. maybe That's not a, a strong one. <laughs> uh, I thought it, that there's the brood, there's the uh, You Think You Know Me, then there's uh, Never Gonna Stop. Yeah, the, the guy is. Forgot is... about that. What a banger. 
oh man, I know what I'm doing like the instant we're <laughs> off this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Rob, but you're bang on, man. Like, well, Edge, Edge was, it's the weirdest way to put it, but like, he was my last cut. It's really hard not to list that guy, even as a Mount Rushmore talent, nonetheless, a Canadian Mount Rushmore talent. He's, he's done it all. There really isn't another way to put it. His return, like I fully admit, I cried. I yeah, cried in the middle it. of a bar and I was far from the only individual to do it. Cause again, like just seeing somebody get back to what they love doing more so than anything, even personal for me, the, the feud's great. Okay. I'm excited to watch him wrestle again. The surprise of the Royal Rumble return. Great. Okay. But like, it's literally a couple seconds after that for me, where I was like, this guy's back doing what, like just he, he, he loves. There's no other way to put it. Anything like that, whether it was him, whether it was Daniel Bryan, like, hits you in the heart. So we can add that to my earlier list of uh, puppy movies and, uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, everything else that I cry about, including <laughs> Canada's Got Talent. I'm just trying to keep it coy. <laughs> I, I think what really kind of cements Edge on, on this Mount Rushmore for me personally is is his backstory, the fact that he was a wrestling fan from day one. Him, him and Jay uh, hitchhacked to go and watch WrestleMania. That's dedication. That's passion for the for the business. And I'm I'm glad that he's been able to have a career. And and I couldn't be happier for him when he was able to to come back and watching him tear up whilst the, his music was playing and he was coming down to the road. But yeah, that if you didn't create that, you are a monster. You're an absolute monster. Emotionless, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But does he stay on our Mount Rushmore, Paul? Well, what, what would it make me if I vetoed him? It would, <laughs> After all it of would, that. It would make you a former co-host of Badlands. <laughs> Listen, I, I see our responsibility um, on Badlands. We're like the unelected representative of the people, okay? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I've gone back and I've looked at our collective... Is that about my, dictatorship? Yeah, if you're well, it is really. Narco syndicate commune. <laughs> People don't want to listen to us, but they have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've gone back and look at our collated Mount Rushmore list, and the top four Canadian wrestlers are Chris Jericho, Bret Hart, Edge, and Kenny Omega. So I can't therefore veto Edge because because it would be a it would be a dereliction of my duties. Bam! Got hit with the rule book, Paul. There you go. Yeah. I did. I, I, my, my one I was umming and ahhing about, honorable mention was Gail Kim. And that's an excellent choice, too. That yeah, absolutely is an excellent choice. Like the work she did with TNA and WWE, in the same way that I talked about Trish Stratus, like the amount of people she inspired is enough to have her on there. Like if you were to somehow and somehow inexplicably exclude what she did in ring she still has the merit for the amount of people she's influenced. It's nuts. Nuts. Absolutely. And, and even the in-ring stuff, she was, I mean, we talked about Trish being kind of ahead of her time, but she was so far ahead of women's wrestling oh, uh, back then. Yeah. Uh, with the, with her and uh, Victoria and Jazz, there were three women who you could you, you could see the future of women's wrestling if it was given a chance. And it's just a shame it took the best part of 20 years for that to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. It's it's selfish as all hell of me. Don't get me wrong, but like my hope, my sole single hope that I had when Deanna Perrazzo signed with Impact was that Gail Kim match. And if it ever happens, 
great. And if it doesn't, she had a hell of a run. She had her retirement. She she got the right send-off and the one she deserved. I won't be upset if she doesn't come back. But watching that match, man, I, I talk about what ifs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about what ifs. <laughs> I mean, she, she's still working backstage, isn't she? So yep, if she's still she's working with the women. With yeah, but so I think good. she she was fairly adamant when it happened that she had retired after, uh, after that match with Tessa Blanchard a couple of years ago, I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and never say never in pro wrestling, but I always like the same way we talk about with, with Tyson kid, my thought is always, well, God, this is going to sound rude, but like just write off the possibility, just write it off because then you're not disappointed if it doesn't happen. And you're that much more excited if it does like sting, do you know how much more excited I am about this sting match coming up now? Because I didn't expect him to ever wrestle again. Unlike a lot of, and, and you know, do what, do what makes you happy in pro wrestling. But for me, I didn't spend the last five years thinking about what about this match with the undertaker? Didn't need to. I really didn't. And now that he's back, I'm that much more excited. So if we ever get that Gail Kim match, I am excited as all hell. I don't want to build my hopes up, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't put her on over Edge, unfortunately. Edge Edge is a, it's a astounding pit. And Edge, for me, he was, he was like... He was really popular right from the start. You mentioned when he tagged with Sable. I mean, that was, that was actually... A really um that was really popular storyline yeah. with edge just sitting up in the crowd watching like who's this guy and, it, and- him tagging with sable back then i mean right now it doesn't sound like it's much but back then she was probably the the number two kind of um star in 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 wwe kind of like how elizabeth was in the in the hulk hogan era um people turned the the TV on for Sable. Uh, she was a, mm-hmm. a massive yeah. draw, and for him to be thrown into SummerSlam as his first pay-per-view, tagging with Sable, yeah, the, it showed the company had high hopes for him, and, and he was able to to really kind of uh, repair that and and become the record-holding uh, champion. I mean, he's won more titles in the company than than anybody in history. So he's had a, an absolutely outstanding career, and and he's still got so much more to come. Mm-hmm. There you go. Then. No vetoes. Wow. It's the, just having someone positive like like Spencer on. And, I was and just going to say it. Rubs off on us. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we're at each other's throat. We can't wait to veto. But yeah. <laughs> so Spencer, what we need from you now, sir, is uh, we need a topic uh, for a future guest. What kind of Mount Rushmore would you uh, would you like to hear? All right, here's what I would like to hear from you guys. Is it more important to have more title reigns or longer title reigns? Okay. So how do we format that into a Mount Rushmore? I don't know. Your <laughs> great long title reigns. Okay. So let's, let's It's do just it. a question I've been mulling lately because it feels like one of those debates to like, is divisive, I guess. It's not the, it's not that heavy a debate. That feels like a heavy word. But like, I don't know. Because for me, when you look at someone who's got sixteen championships, yeah, that's impressive. But then you look at four hundred and thirty-four days. You look at five hundred and nine days. Like, it's a cool debate for me. So greatest long title reigns. That's what we'll go with for uh, your next Mount Rushmore. Sounds fun. I like that. 
Yeah, I do as well. I, I love kind of deep diving into into things like that. So, yeah, uh, can't wait to do that one. Um, Caveat, just just to give a number so that there's no debate for your next guest, anything over 100 days. That's over three months. Okay. Right? Okay. Plus, easy round number. <laughs> <laughs> More important part, it was an easy round number. <laughs> So, Spencer, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, let the, the Badlands listeners know where they can find you on social media, where they can uh, they can find the amazing uh, Love Wrestling content that you put out. Well, hopefully they can find me back on here sooner rather than later because that was an absolute <laughs> More than welcome. Seriously, More than welcome. thank you so, so much for having me. Uh, you know, to mark out a little bit myself, I've loved listening to your guys' shows, so it's cool for me to be on it. Um, thanks once again. As far as my own stuff goes, as far as everything you've got going on with Love Wrestling on my end of things, uh, pretty well any social media platform you can think of. Uh, you can find us at Love Wrestling CA. The CA at the end is to differentiate us because there are so many places that love professional wrestling that we needed to find it. So, Let's stick the Canadian flair on the end. Love Wrestling CA pretty well anywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff. You can get us all there if you're looking for me personally. Uh, admittedly, I'm much more active on Twitter. That is my even just preferred contact method. So if you're looking for me, look at Spenny Love on Twitter. That's me. I love talking professional wrestling with anyone, anytime, any opportunity I get. Uh, if you want to see a lot of great pictures of my dog, I'm on Instagram at Spenny and the Jets. There are two S's at the end of that because there is only one more person on planet Earth more clever than I. And that's the guy who got the original at name of Spenny and the Jets on Instagram. So <laughs> I've got two S's on the end of that. But like I said, Twitter is usually the place to find me specifically. If you want to keep up with the latest and greatest we've got on Love Wrestling, pretty well anywhere that you can find any sort of social media interactive platform, it's at Love Wrestling CA. Well, I'm, I'm sure I can speak for, for Paul in saying we've absolutely uh, loved having you on and you are more than welcome back absolutely any time. This has been a, a, a great recording. Um, yeah, we've, you, 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 I just love the positivity. I just can't get enough of the the Spencer love positivity. So it's I love the positivity. I love, I love when, I've said it before, I love it when we, when we get educated on... Uh, on this podcast i feel we've been educated a bit in canadian wrestling tonight well and to be honest with you that warms my heart because it's like when there's so many great professional wrestling fans out there it's hard to ever feel like you're being the educational one because i'm in the same boat i love just love learning about pro wrestling that's the reason i love talking to other people is because as someone who like quite literally really only started watching wrestling as like a consistent hardcore fan say about 10 years ago, which is a long time, but you miss a lot. Um, it's so cool for me to same sort of thing as get that education. Like I, I bring up Tyson Kidd earlier. That individual has taught me so much about professional wrestling and Canadians in professional wrestling. It's, it's the knowledge tree, you know, it's the most cliche way you can put it, but like sit under it. You can learn from anybody. Absolutely. Um, Paul, your yeah. favorite time of the week. Speaking of learning from anybody, I don't think anyone's going to learn much from us, Darren. But if, if they want to, they can well, follow us on... Not, not create a podcast. <laughs> they can follow us on Twitter. Um, he's over at Dej Kirkby. That's D-E-J Kirkby. I'm at Rain Counter, and we're both at Badlands Pod. We'd love to hear 
what you thought about the Mount Rushmore's tonight? Um, who 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 were we missing off our greatest ever Canadian wrestlers? Uh, who had the best Canadian Mount Rushmore? Was it was it was it Spencer with uh, Hart, Jericho, Stratus, and Kid, or was it us with uh, Hart, Jericho, Hart, and Edge? Or I'm going to be really embarrassed if I lose this one as a Canadian. <laughs> And and they've both got their equal merits. Don't get me wrong. It, it won't be on, I think mine's better. It'll just be on, man, if I lose a Canadian contest as a Canadian to a couple of English guys. <laughs> I think it's safe to say the Canadian Matt Rushmore wouldn't just have four. Probably be about four technical. <laughs> or is the conglomerate view better? The one that all our guests have come up with, which is Jericho, Hart, Edge, and Kenny Omega. Let us know. It'll be fascinating to to hear what you think. Um, If you've enjoyed what you heard, you can hear lots more podcasts with our voices on and loads of other really talented, um, talented people. If you go over to your podcast provider and follow or subscribe rather to um, Five Nerds Go, Shooting the Sports-ish, Visionaries Global Media and Cheershot Radio. And of course, Cheershot Radio is where you'll find our brand new episodes every single Thursday. So if you've enjoyed, come and listen again next Thursday. Um, until then, stay safe. Always use your head. Um, Try. Wear a mask. Bye-bye. Wear a mask, yeah. <laughs>